Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 161 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening? What's going on, Barb? How are you down in the great state of Florida? Busy as balls. Busy as balls? How busy is balls? (laughs) Busy as balls is super freaking busy. Sorry. You can bleep me out if you want, if balls is considered a bleepable word. No, I think balls is acceptable for children of all ages. (laughs) It's just busy. Yeah? Why do you think you're so busy? Uh, Well, personally, egotistically, we do a really good job in my department. Well, stop doing it so good. (laughs) People won't be coming back. That's the problem. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I spent my first week not in the lab, so that busy craziness, it's going pretty good. You know, there's a lot to learn, a lot of great people at Preet. I'm really happy with the people I've been able to work with and excited to learn more, but uh, not missing the crazy rush of the dental lab, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, we're recording this at four o'clock on a Friday, and so that is like go time. So yes, I wish I was in your shoes right now. (laughs) Congratulations. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah, I've actually spoken to some other people that went from lab to sales, and they tell me in about a week or two I'm going to start missing it, and I'm going to start jonesing for it, so we'll see. Yeah, right. Yeah, you might. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? So listen, we don't have a lot of time to waste because we have a great episode for you today. It's a really good conversation, but unfortunately, Barb, you were not available when we recorded this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you were doing. Some sort of lab thing. I'm sure you were balls to the wall being busy. (laughs) Yeah, you just stole my word. Go ahead. (laughs) Move on. But I got to talk to one of the guys responsible for bringing ExoCAD to the U.S. Nice. Yeah, so John Orphanditas, I'm sure I got it wrong, comes from a strong (laughs) background in dental. He's got so many family members, either in an office or in a lab, this guy knows a lot. So early on, John tested out ExoCAD in his lab, and from there he became a teacher, a trainer, an advocate for all things ExoCAD. So a few weeks ago, as you remember, we did a roundtable discussion about the different design softwares, and Mm -hmm. John was actually originally going to be on the roundtable. But we didn't want someone that had a background directly related to any of those companies. So we decided to have him on for a full interview. And I'll tell you, we cover a ton. We talk about the history of ExoCAD, how it came to the U.S. and its growing popularity, and some of the amazing things you can do with the software, and of course, what is next for John and his career. So what's funny is John and I actually recorded for a full hour, but the first time, the last 20 minutes didn't get recorded. I still don't know what happened. It was the strangest thing. Probably because we didn't use ExoCAD or something. (laughs) So we had to connect again and re-record, and it took us about a month to connect again. And because we had to cover so much, we ended up with, which I think is going to be our longest episode ever. But I tell you, it's great stuff. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Join us as we chat with John Orfanditas. Using 3D printed Denka temporary resin is the easy, fast, clean, and accurate way of creating natural looking temporary restorations using Denka temporary crown and bridge 3D print resin. 
This new temporary material is FDA cleared, biocompatible, photo curable, and can be printed super fast. That patient can be temporized with the highest quality temporary crown that lasts a minimum of one full year in the mouth. Denka Crown and Bridge Temporary features excellent lifelike aesthetics and shade matching capability with Vita shades A1, A2, A3, A3, A3.5, B1, B2, and Pleach. Denka Temporary Crown and Bridge Resin is validated for use with the Asiga Max, Asiga Pro 2, Asiga Pro 4K, and the Whitmix Verabuild printers. And it's also validated for the curing units Uvatron, Sunray 400, and Teleray 600, and the CureBox Plus. For more information, visit Whitmix.com. We appreciate your continued support of the podcast, Whitmix. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are happy to have with us on the podcast today, John Orfanidis. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much for asking. Awesome. So where are you out of? What state are you in? I am in the state of Florida. Okay. I moved here about two years ago. So you mentioned before we started recording that you're third generation dental lab technician. Yes. Yes. Runs in the family. So that means grandfather. Yes. Yeah. So where did this all start? It started back in Greece. That's where my parents, my grandfather's from. Oh, wow. And they immigrated into Canada, Toronto. And that's where I was born and raised. So your grandfather opened up a lab in Toronto? No, actually, uh, my father did. And so my grandfather kind of a little bit gave it up, but my father did. And then my grandfather dabbled in it a little bit. But uh, my dad opened up a laboratory in Toronto and Mm -hmm. uh, all worked the lab. My two brothers, myself, my mother, one of my aunts, and we had a laboratory there, which is, it was great uh, working with the family. And my uncles and aunts are in it. One of my brothers was a dentist. The other brother's a denturist. And my wife's a dental hygienist. So it's all in the family, aunts and uncles, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So a lot of fun. So you've never done anything else other than dental technology? I have not. I started in the dental lab as the quintessential sweeper uh, I think <laughs> yeah. in the laboratory. So I was an excellent sweeper of the lab. That's how I got my start. And then I moved up the ranks with my father. So <laughs> got into pouring models, casting. I think the first casting I did when I was uh, about nine years old, eight or nine, I did a non-precious casting and uh, my mother was freaking out. So um, it was a, an experience to say the least. So nine is when you actually started actually doing real work. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> How much has changed? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just a few things. Uh, yeah. But some things don't change, like bad impressions. <laughs> well, I bet. Yeah. So when you started in Toronto, I mean, how long were you there till? Because obviously at one point you left. So how long did you hang out in dad's lab? I was there till I was 21. And then uh, I got married. I moved to Boston. I opened up my own lab, had a baby. Uh, now I have four babies, so I have four kids. And I started my lab in Boston. I was very fortunate enough to do some work for Ivaclar back in the day hmm. uh, with a material called Concept. I used to use it quite a bit. Before that name, it used to be called Isosit. So it was a 
bulk fill composite that was indirect. So there were crowns made out of composite? Yeah. Hmm. It was an inlay composite, very difficult to work with. It was very sticky like gum. So you had to form the crown like gum and put it in a pressure pot with heat. And it was, it was tough to work with, but it was a beautiful material. Interesting. Never even heard of it. Yeah. And so I bumped into somebody back in the day. That person's name was Dr. Jerry Kugel. He got me on the pre-market stuff for this material called lava or lava. The way I would say it is it with a Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was back in, in 2000. And I was very fortunate to become a research associate at that point. He was the dean of research at Tufts University in Boston. Hmm. And I did some research work there. I did the three-year and five-year study for lava or zirconia, 3YTZP. And it was awesome because I had a couple of articles. I had the first in vivo article, I think, in dental economics or compendium back in 2000, 2001. And from there, that was my journey of really understanding and learning digital. I ended up with a cable machine. And then um, fast forward a few years, I worked for a company called Sensible Technologies, which was the first digital partial that you could manufacture with a haptic device. So you could actually Hmm. feel the surface in a 3D modeler. Uh, That was really cool. And from there, there was a lot of development. And eventually myself and Mr. Larry Bodoni, who is now the, or has always been the North American president of ExoCAD. We were the first arm outside of ExoCAD GmbH or Germany, and we opened up in the United States. And so I brought ExoCAD into the United States with Larry Bodoni in my lab. So it started in my one-person laboratory, which was, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. So when ExoCAD came over, was 3Shape already... Around or what What was already in the market? Dental wings? Yeah, dental wings, three shape, uh, you know, at in that lab? point in time, in lab was there. It wasn't as good, obviously, as it is now. And not, none of them were, were that good. Three shape yeah. wasn't great. We brought ExoCAD, I think it was 2010 or 2011. So it's been 10 years, basically. I was going to say, that's it? Wow. Yeah, it's, I know it's crazy. So we started with zero market share, which is kind of funny. And now if you think about how many people are using ExoCAD in the U.S. Uh, so for the first four years, I was the guy training pretty much all of the trainers and setting up the shows. It was Larry and I. It was just Larry and I. And then we hired a couple of people. But right in the beginning, it was just the two of us running the whole show. So wow. it was crazy. Yeah. And at that time, you know, running ExoCAD, I was also teaching in the postgraduate prosthodontic department with Dr. Hiroshi Hirayama at Tufts University, I was teaching digital CAD. So I had to learn basically all the systems. I knew most of them, but Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in an education environment, it's not about what you like, it's about teaching. And so it was really important for each of the students to try to get a chance to teach and learn all these different systems. Of course, they all liked ExoCAD the most because it was it was kind of cool in especially the true smile, the photorealistic rendering. They really enjoyed doing that. But that's what I was doing at Tufts University at the same time, running the lab and bringing ExoCAD in. So it was a lot of work. Who were you teaching? Dentists or dental lab technicians? Yeah, no, it was dentists. So it was postgraduate prosthodontics. 
So all the students that were already dentists were mm-hmm. doing a two-year course for prosthodontics to become prosthodontists. But teaching them design for crown. Teaching them design for crown, how to use intraoral scanners. We had a whole bunch of them. That there. early in 2000? Uh, no, this was 2012. Oh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I was yeah, doing okay. research work from 2000, but then I transferred over to postgraduate process. Interesting. When ExoCAD came over, what was the appeal for ExoCAD over the systems that were already out? Now, I'm going to be honest. We don't have ExoCAD here. I've barely seen it. Shame um, on you. But I do know that 10 years ago, or not even 10, five years ago, the ExoCAD percentage in our market was not big, but recently it's exploded. It seems like. So what were the major differences that ExoCAD did that the other ones couldn't? So one of the biggest thorns in everyone's side in dental CAD is the yearly fees. And ExoCAD originally, (laughs) yeah, the original plan of ExoCAD, as I remember it, and you know, if you ever have Larry on the show, he'll tell you, but the original idea was, look, you have this software, it works great. You can do crowns and bridges and and all the real complicated stuff. So ExoCAD was really powerful in the beginning. So all Mm -hmm. the tools that I see now were pretty much available in 2011, 12, not the denture module and not some other modules, but generally speaking, Everything that you could do with that version, you could do today. Obviously, today, it's just a little more simple, but you could still do it because it was so open. You can save as many STLs as you wanted. You can import as many STLs as you wanted. You could import OBJ and PLY and do it in full color. You could do smile design back in 2011. It's wow. A lot of people don't know that that is built in natively into ExoCAD. Like there's even a camera function to take a picture of smile design. That's not an extra (laughs) $6,000. No, it's not actually. It's it's in your good old 2D photograph program, which a lot of people don't know about. But that was one of the important factors, the yearly fees. And the other Mm -hmm. one was that it was just open. And people felt like, why do I have to do it this way? What happens if I have to bring in four other models like the doctor sent me uh, what the patient really wants, what they have, and they want to compare it and split the difference. It's the easiest method of bringing all these 3D meshes available to uh, do that. Because I remember back in the day, and it's probably still an issue now, of like converting files to what 3Shape or InLab uses to get the standard STL that was always a big deal. Like, how do I convert this to an STL in order to move it to another piece of equipment? It sounds like ExoCAD, you're able to do that without much of an issue. It was a zero issue, not much of an issue. There was absolutely no issue. You could pull out any part of the data set that you wanted, except for the encrypted parts that the large companies wanted to encrypt. So for example, if you're doing something in implants, the implant companies did not want you to be able to copy their analogs or their implants or anything like that. But other than that, 
it was always open and native, and it still is 100% open and native to accept any kind of data. That's cool. So how do you get the information into ExoCAD? Because when I bought 3Shape, the design, you buy a 3Shape scanner. Yeah. So this was a, a huge leap in dental technology when we did that. So what ExoCAD is, is basically an interface that communicates with, remember, when we started, there were 17 scanners on the market that we were integrated with. Hmm. I think 17. Uh, because I had 17 in my lab, believe it or not, we were doing testing on all kinds of scanners. 17 different scanners. 17 different scanners. Intra-oils <sighs> wow. back in the day. We had the uh, Lava, the Steinbichler, Imetric, DOF. Actually, we also helped DOF get their start. Um, really? The DOF scanners, yeah. That was kind of how ExoCAT started. So ExoCAT said, look, we're just a design software and we want to communicate with every system that's out there that's willing to capture the data or acquire it. And we also want to work with every output device so we can print or mill. And mm -hmm. I think that was their golden ticket because it was smart. You didn't have to purchase a look, even today, you look at uh, three shape, mm -hmm. you're spending $30,000 or $20,000 on a scanner and software. First of all, if you don't pay your fee, your scanner doesn't work. So yeah. all of a sudden now you're really renting your scanner. You're not really owning it. So it can't work with any other software, which is, which is a little bit of a bummer. So you're kind of locked into that stream. Mm -hmm. Whereas all of the scanners that you use that are connected to ExoCAD, even if ExoCAD was to flop tomorrow, which they won't, but even yeah. if they were, your scanner has value because it can still acquire an output, an object that is an industry standard. So you can still import it into any current dental CAD software. So you're yeah. not stuck with a $20,000 piece of equipment that's useless. Kind of like Dicor, if you remember that. You probably don't. I don't, but I recognize the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's really the result of hard work. I mean, uh, Tillman, Mike, and all the guys there of Genny, all those guys really worked hard to make the software really powerful. And their idea was fantastic. It worked great. And people love the idea. And I can tell you right now, industry-wide, a lot of users are a little bit worried with the takeover of iTero. iTero now or Align Technologies oh, right. owns ExoCAD. And I'm sure that they're going to hold true to what they've started out to do. And, and I know where Tillman's you know, ideology is, and, and that's kind of how they started. And Tillman really was the talking point or the face point of the company. Mm -hmm. Mike also is a, a huge developer, the partners, Evgeny, and some of the guys in the background. But in reality, I, I know kind of where their heart is, per se. And I think a lot of people are a little bit worried about how is this going to change? Are there going to be these crazy yearly fees? And, you know, what's going to happen? And so to be determined, yeah. uh, I think they're now they don't own the company anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that it's definitely in the back of people's minds saying, so what, what's going to happen now? But so far, everything's going great. Yeah, but it doesn't help what iTero did with Invisalign and how they opened it up to other scanners and then they stopped and it's exclusive to iTero. Sure. Yeah, I can see why people would think that. Sure, but hey, when you pay the big bucks, you get to do what you want. Oh, yeah. You know the golden rule? Which one? 
the one that says he who holds the gold holds the rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so they get to do what they want. But I think, you know, they understand dentistry at a different level. And I, th- I think it's going to be beneficial. You know, the company still needs to make money. But I think there's going to be balance there. And I think everyone kind of feels that. But mm-hmm. again, to be determined, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But that's where we're at. Yeah. With ExoCAD and you brought it to this market... How did people take it here in America? Were they open to it? Were they reluctant to even look at it? How did that go in the early days? I think we were very fortunate. So remember, we're an OEM company. So ExoCAD, in theory, on paper, should have never been known. Mm. It was supposed to be the software under the covers. So, for example, you know, Aman Gierbach, uses ExoCAD, but you could never find ExoCAD anywhere in the software because it's an OEM product. So all these companies that were interested in this, and and many of the companies were interested because 3Shape didn't actually do that. 3Shape was all about 3Shape. ExoCAD was allowing big partners to partner up so they can have a software to be able to also supply supplies in dental. So for example, Jensen had Preciso and that was an ExoCAD product and they started off one way and they were selling it and you know there's good and bad for for everything but they were selling it and it was helping them sell some of their supplies. There's a lot of laboratories like for example DT Technologies or DAL They have Mm -hmm. their own software and they also sell supplies. So it was really beneficial for them to take ExoCAD on as an OEM. So it was very easy for us. Not easy. We did a lot of work, Larry and I. There was a lot of work that we did and we were burning the candle at both ends. And Larry, he's done wonders for ExoCAD, bringing it here into the United States and really, really helping the market out. But for companies that understood what digital can do and that they had an opportunity to get into it without mm-hmm. just being a reseller of three shape, it was really important for them. And that's where we saw a lot of growth. So a lot of companies jumped on right away. So basically they rebranded ExoCAD. And that's what it was originally intended. That's what uh, ExoCAD's original intention was. It was never made to be a standalone. Yeah. That's the whole point. Isn't that what Zircon Zon is? Yes, ExoCAD. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it a standalone now? Why can I go out and buy ExoCAD? Well, this is the funny thing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually quite interesting. So in some of the documentation, you're you're not I'm gonna say this in quotations and it may have changed. So there's a disclaimer there. Yeah. But when you become a reseller, ExoCAD shouldn't be anywhere in the documentation. Like you need to change it to your brand. So if I carry ExoCAD, I get the raw ExoCAD data sets and I can change whatever I want, color, backgrounds, Mm -hmm. name. And so if I was to sell it to you, you would see it and it would say John CAD or whatever I would name it. So theoretically, it shouldn't say ExoCAD anywhere. But at this point, I think it just organically happened where everybody knows what you're using. So why even bother changing the colors? Let the customer, you know, the customer might not want a blue background. They want a green background. Yeah. You know, who are you to tell them what to do? And and so a lot of people just stopped doing it that way and said, Hey, 
I'm just going to send it out like this and you do what you want with it. So it's kind of interesting how that all happened. I think for the better. You had it spread thin. I mean, I had no idea for years that these other ones were ExoCAD. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure people that bought it did. But remember, these companies spent lots of money. I mean, they spent a lot of money changing everything up. So to do all the changes, what's great about ExoCAD is even if you have one license and you're a one-man laboratory, you can, if you're ever going to do a, a lecture with your dentists, there are ways to change a name for your lab name to be on there for people oh. to see. Yeah, change the color backgrounds and the process. I mean, guys like me. We'll be able to go, yeah, that's ExoCAD. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's fairly simple to do, but that's the beauty of customization. Like this is your product. You purchased it. You have basically an unlimited license to use it and and it's yours. So you can change the colors on it and do whatever you want. And, and your dentist clients will think you guys are smart enough to create your own design software. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them just want to feel a little bigger than they are. And that's yeah. a great thing because, you know, your doctors, one, one great thing about dental technicians is it's not only about price. It's about how you handle yourself, your personality, your price, oh, for sure. your yeah. service. There's 10 things that are involved in doing business with doctors. And I can come in there with a better price than, than you'll ever have. And I can tout myself as the best in the world, but they still want to use you. And there's a reason for it. They love the communication. They love the camaraderie. They love the friendship. And that's how it is. So by having the ability to be able to put your own signature in there, I know a friend of mine, I think it was um, Scott Hudson, who's at Prime. He actually had one background. It was awesome. He had the, the background was Neil Armstrong on the moon. And he said, the software is out of this world. So you're designing <laughs> in space, nice. which, which I, I, I thought that was cool. But, but the cool. ability to be able to do that, you can do that. That's the beauty of ExoCAD and some of the customization that it's about the technician. And, and what, what they really tried to do was, look, we have a process of doing things. And we know that this field is is... There's many ways to do many things. So we're going to have a simple wizard that's going to guide you through the major steps. But any time during that process, you can weave in and out of the expert mode and do it the way you want. And then back into the wizard again, if that's what you want. Yeah. So ExoCAD has really a lot of power and you'll see the real power of ExoCAD in the really complicated full prostheses, you know, over bars, or if you're doing a thimble design, doing customized abutments the right way. Yeah. Uh, it's not eyeballing abutments anymore. It's you design the crown and then it gives you the shape and that's how it should be done. So th- there's a lot of really cool tools in ExoCAD that you can utilize. And that's what you hear about a lot, especially when we talk to people on the podcast. They'll have three shape, but they use ExoCAD for their full arch cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. For but sure. you mentioned on ExoCAD, you design the crown and it gives you the abutment. Yeah. So what you would do in ExoCAD, and that was one feature that I never really liked in three shape. I understand yeah. the idea. And the idea is, look, you're an expert, you know where the abutment goes. So just here's a predefined shape, just slap it in there and, and it should work, which generally is true sure. when you're looking at the corridors and, and heights and all that. But why? 
Why? We have the luxury. We know you're going to put a crown on an abutment. How many people get abutments with no crowns on them? <laughs> Seric doctors. Uh, other than the guy in 007, right? Jaws. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. he really didn't have abutments. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you think of it, since you're going to get there, why don't you design the crown what you know the restorative final position is going to be? And computers are awesome at crunching numbers. So what you would do is, you know, if you really reverse engineer this and think about it the right way, what did we do in the beginning? We would make a crown and then we would kind of try to make the abutment fit in there. And and back in the day, like back in my day in, in 1988, 1989, there was, you know, custom abutments where you had to wax everything to. Oh, yeah. UCLA's. Yeah. And a lot of people, what they would do was they would make the full crown, make a couple of silicone molds and then whittle down the full crown to what the porcelain substructure should look like. If you keep that in mind, you design a crown and a crown right now, an average designer can do a crown in ExoCAD probably in five and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. And so they design the crown. If they take 10, that's awesome. It's just going to look better. If they take three, there's some guys out there that I know that can do it in three minutes and it looks just fine. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about your personality and your own signature. So you design your crown. Your system already knows what your minimum thickness of your zirconia is going to be or your wax coping or you name it, whatever your your overstructure is going to be. Mm -hmm. And then it reduces that with the amount of thickness that you want. And it also adds the amount of spacer that you need. So all of a sudden you have this predefined custom abutment that fits over everything that you've done. And now you can just click away and finish the crown at the same time. And that's really a great way of doing it. It's the way it should be done. I mean, that's what we do with implant bars. We don't do it until we have the setup. Exactly. And that's where ExoCAD's really great because you can save the setup. You can bring 12 other setups in. You can use anybody's setup or you can design it yourself and figure out what you want to do on the fly and then design your bar. So with 3Shape, you can't export the teeth. So let's say you really like the setup and you want to use it for another setup. You can't really export that. You have to kind of bring it in a different way. With ExoCAD, you can export any of the of the tooth molds except the ones that people are selling that are encrypted. Uh. You know, that's not ExoCAD's fault. That's, you know, John wanting to have John's molds and yeah. I want to sell my molds and I'm going to encrypt them. But you know, as as well as I do, if you really want something, there, there's ways of, of getting that stuff. And it's not the right way, but, you know, there's people that do that all the time. So I bet. <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody that can do that kind of thing. <laughs> That's right. So what are you doing now? I mean, are you still teaching at Tufts? No, I am not. I opened up a laboratory in Tampa. And it's actually this weekend, we're putting it together, which is crazy. So it's going to be up and running. Oh, you haven't even opened it yet. Wow. No, I haven't even opened it yet. So I had a laboratory. I closed it down. All kinds of things happened. And I'm back into a place. I'm I'm enjoying Florida a little more than I expected. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really an outdoors guy or a sun guy. I used to tell my friends and, and anybody that knows me knows I'd be the first guy on the moon. I can live in 72 degrees with fake lights, you know, 5,500 <laughs> Kelvin lights and a swimming pool. I can live on the moon. I never have to go outside. Yeah. But after moving to Florida and just enjoying the water and being able to, you know, on a, on a pretty stressful day, go to the beach, 
breathe a little bit of salty air and just listen to the waves. And yeah. it was very helpful for me. So I, I'm loving it down here. Really excited about it. Oh, man. I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. So you're opening up a lab just yourself? Or are you looking to build a team? Or what's, what are you looking to do? I have a great team. We're four of us. And we all have our specialty. Our goal is to really be a, a light, I would say, in dental technology. I know that there's a lot of labs that do this and they don't get enough credit. So mm -hmm. I, I just want to have a shout out to those guys that they want to train their doctors. They want to help them. And sometimes they just don't get the appreciation. But our goal is to be really a resource for dentists or digital technologists, because we do have a lot of experience that is grounded in handwork, but understand digital in a way that mm -hmm. exceeds what we're doing. So for us, it's really important to try to train that new group of dentists because the schools have changed their teaching methods and they haven't kept up with the digital realm. And digital can really help dentists so much, but the schools are slow to adopt and it's sad. And I hope that they all hear this and rethink how they're training new dentists. But mm, yeah. it almost feels like now they're not students, but they're customers. And, yeah. and it's sad. But what we want to do is try to help the people who need help. I mean, you know, if you didn't learn something, if you call us, we're there to help you, help guide you, teach you a little bit of dentistry. There's things that have been lost and forgotten. I've, I've done a really interesting thing, which I broke down the Monson Sphere, the Bonwell Triangle. I did it all digitally. And it's mind boggling how the pillars of the past had this idea and it actually still works today, but we just don't even know how to harness it. And that's what mm -hmm. we want to help with. I mean, I just want to say one thing about bite registrations. This is really funny. <laughs> so for 100 years, this device has been around for 100 years, and there's no better way of taking a bite registration in Centric than the Gothic arch tracing. Mm -hmm. It's mind-boggling that after 100 years, and from Professor Giese, that we have still the real way to take a Centric bite unless you bilaterally manipulate the mandible, which is tricky to do in Dawson was teaching that and they still do. There's no other way of getting centric. There are some systems out there that allow you to move your job, but at the end of the day, getting centric is still a tricky process and it's a hundred years old and it still has to be done manually. So there is a place for the old. And when you understand the old, it just makes the new better and faster. That's all. And this Gothic arch is yeah. what you plan on taking to these new dentists that are at a school and oh yeah if you train them well it's very simple to use you know dr joe massad he's a denture guru out mm -hmm. in tulsa oklahoma he teaches at gothic arch tracing it's a simple device you put it in the mouth it gives you a centric point and you'll see that most of these systems that want you to manufacture dentures, which are the most complicated processes to make, because you're starting with really no point, mm -hmm. there's no teeth in there. So you have to figure it out. Even their device, the Avident device, has a Gothic arch style tracer that allows you to double check the vertical and make sure that you're in the correct position. Same thing with Pala Digital. That used to have that little recorder on there with those special trays that yeah. would record that. 
Yeah, there are certain things that some dentists need to learn because there's, you know, you can't learn everything in dentistry in five years. Let's be honest. No. I mean, that's like saying you can learn everything in dental technology in five years. No, uh, no, that can't happen. So that's where we're at. In our lab, I've probably seen a gothic, gosh, maybe three or four times in 10 years. Yeah, you don't see it often. No. And it all depends too on the laboratory, you know, some of the prosthodontists. And and let me be clear, this has nothing to do with the quality of the lab. So you can have a kick-ass quality lab just doing single units. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's just some of the customers that you may have, you know, some guys that are that are really, you know, want to learn more and they're interested in trying new things. They will try the Gothic arch trace. They might need some help. Some people say, hey, I found the better way and I like using it for myself or, or this is the way I do it and I have great results. Great, fantastic. So some people get more than what you guys have received and some don't even get any. They're like, I've never heard of it, never seen it. Don't know how it works. Yeah. And that's where we're at. So I think there's a lot to be taught in dental technology. And and I think prior to talking on this recorded message, we had talked about what dental technicians, like their characteristics. And, yeah. and there's something special about dental technicians that they're one of the only people that really understand material science, physics, manufacturing, chemistry, function, design, art. There's just so many things. Their it, dexterity, their eye-to-hand coordination is phenomenal because they have to juggle so many things. And I think it's just amazing that we do what we do because it's a lot. It's hard work. It is. It's phenomenal, really, when you think about what goes into just a crown. So much knowledge from so many aspects. I mean, you're right. How you make the crown, how it functions, how it should look the technology behind it. It's almost mind-boggling when you really it think is. about it. It is. So do you plan on taking any of this education to other labs, or are you just going to teach it to the doctors that are going to use your lab? <laughs> what we're going to do in the beginning, and it's a dynamic situation, obviously we want to be, let's call it a lighthouse for the dentists around us. Mm -hmm. If laboratories want to come in for extra training, we do that also. It's not a problem for us because I don't think that there is competition. There is, but there really isn't. It's co-opetition, which I think yeah. there's competition, but we're all in this field. And, and there's very few people that I know that I've trained even in the past that said, even when I had my lab, I was training tons of laboratories. I, I don't think any of my dentists switched over. And I, yeah, I don't no. think, I just feel like that's a little mystery or a, or a little fib that we tend to believe and go, well, why do I want to teach this guy how to do this? You know, yeah. and I, I think that's a little bit old school. And I think that's where the younger generation is changing, saying, look, man, you want to, I'll teach you. You want to take it and, and run with it. You know, God bless you. At, at least I taught you and I gave something back into the industry, which you didn't know. And if you want to be one of those guys, then you can be because that's what, how you'll be defined or you can be a part of integrating and making dental technology better for the whole. Yeah. Nobody's really a competition to the lab. There's plenty of work to go around. I don't think we're ever going to run out of work. <laughs> right. We won't. So I take it your new lab is going to have ExoCAD? <laughs> uh, yes, but we do have 3Shape. <laughs> And the reason that we have it is there are some 
companies that are exclusive to 3Shape right now, today speaking, but mm-hmm. eventually they will be in ExoCAD. And our goal, you know, when you think of a dental technician, even when you talk about implant companies, you know, all these implant companies want to come in and tell you, you know, we're going to get you customers and that's great. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're dental technicians and we are experts in implantology, right? Oh, yeah. So we're experts in any kind of implant. Of course, we have a specialty and we need to understand the prosthetic parts for each of the respective companies. And we want to give dentists who use those products the best information and quality products as we can give them. But at the end of the day, you know, I can work on all of the implants. I'm not here to sell the implant. I'm not here to, to take somebody away from what they're used to using because I'm not a doctor. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I think to a certain extent. But when they ask me, I'm like, well, what do you like using? What have you used in the past? Are you happy with it? Do they give you the service that you need? Do you get the prosthetic parts that you need? Mm-hmm. And if those are all good, then we'll make it work with what you like using. If those don't work and you're asking me for an opinion, that means you're just looking for some information because you're ready to switch already. So what I'm here to do is help you give your patient the best quality product outside of the one that you decided to change on. And again, that's your final decision as a dentist to decide on what you want to give your patient. Yeah. I get asked quite often, which implants do you prefer restoring or which ones do you find the best success with when a doctor is looking to get into an implant system? And, you know, honestly, I don't have an answer because we work with all of them. And of course. they're all usable. There's some that are more difficult on the laboratory side to deal with. And there's some that are more pro laboratory restoration rather than an implant company having their own lab. Sure. Don't know if I need to say the name, but it's pretty obvious. But um, yeah, I mean, we're just there as a resource. That's all of them, by the way. <laughs> Well, yeah, but there's some that are more blunt about it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, you know, sometimes you can just look over your shoulder and say, hey, Charlie, what do we got in stock? Exactly. (laughs) You know, because sometimes it's, it's just ease of use where you have a lot of parts that you're used to using and you're stocking them. And, you know, for titanium bases, whatever product it may be. And sometimes it's easier for you to say, look, doc, you know, instead of me ordering it and waiting a couple of days or whatever, I'm able to give you this because we use a lot of these and we always have a few on hand. And if this is the way you want to go, then great. We'd be happy to use this product for you. Yeah. If not, we'd be happy to order and, and help you out in that discerning what products you would need or what you want to go with. And we'll help you as much as we can with that. Like you said, we work on all of them. So for us, it's just helping you out trying to find the product that you're looking for. Most GPs, they'll be happy to place two implants a week. I hate to tell you, but we're restoring two implants every half an hour here. That's right. right. We do a lot. We see a lot. We've seen the good. We've seen the bad. Sure. Guided surgery. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that helps for sure. But again, when you think of what we were doing in the past, all of our surgeries were done through 2D x-ray. Yeah which is crazy. Yes. Trust me. I remember seeing my first blade implant. Uh, oh, yeah. I was probably 10 years old and my wow. dad made the implant out of gold and the doctor was hammering it in. By the way, he was hammering it in with these hairy fingers and no gloves. 
back no gloves, in the days. No gloves. Yeah. So, so, you know, when you see that, you're like, it can't be like this. And today yeah. it's so hygienic and clean and, and simple and water and, you know, the smell's not there. And there's all kinds of different things that make it so much easier. Uh, and it's amazing how it worked in the past and how a lot of these guys weren't, weren't afraid back in the day to do this. And it's just awesome to see how things are changing and we're using CBCT and we're using photographs and we're really giving the patient an awesome experience at the dental office, whereas it wasn't such a great experience back in the day. No, absolutely not. Does ExoCAD do guided surgery? So in the new ExoPlan product, which is available in the U.S., I believe uh-huh. they have all their FDAs. I'm pretty sure that's already done. Yes, you can do guided surgery. You place the implant. You can have the doctor log in and show them what they want. They have to accept you know, they, they have everything in order. Yeah. And what's good about doing it in ExoCAD is that same thing with 3Shape, because you're doing it in the same system process, it's easy for you to do the final restoration because all the data and everything gets transferred to the restorative side. So yes, you can do guided surgery with ExoCAD. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Like how you design the crown to get the abutment, can you design the crown to get where the implant goes? Yeah, you can. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. But, you know, as you know, sometimes the implant and the angulation isn't where it needs to be. And sometimes, you know, doctors don't want to add some bone and they're like, you know what, let's just put it in an angle. We'll do a custom abutment or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, yes, you can do basically the full restoration, transfer the data over into ExoPlan. It's a separate program, but they communicate. And as you bring in the data, now you know where your crown needs to be. It's basically completed. You basically know all the information that you need to know to place the implant in that area. And and if it works and the doctor likes it, then you can go ahead and manufacture the surgical guide that would go with that. So are you going to make surgical guides with the lab that you're opening? Yes, we will be making surgical guides. The interesting thing about surgical guides is they really don't have to be uh, that pricey. It's a fairly simple process. I mean, I don't want to downplay the expertise. The process is simple. Mm-hmm. You still need expertise and understanding how to place implants, where the bone sure. is, et cetera. But generally speaking, it becomes a volume process where if you're sitting down and doing three or four at a time and you have good communication with a dentist, then it becomes fairly easy. I find them huge relationship builders. They really are. I will do a surgical guide and we have a price, but if I know it's a GP that's going to send us the restorative work, I'll drop that price easily. Of course, of course. And, you know, a lot of people think that that's a negative, but at the end of the day, you know, as I said before, mentioned before, this industry is filled with families and we need Mm -hmm. to survive and help our families. And sometimes dropping a price like Walmart or even Ferrari, you walk in there, it's never really what you think it is. When you want a product and they want to make a sale, there's always a little bit of a give and take. And you have to look at it as the surgical guide may be a lost leader. And I hate to use language like that because I love this industry. Yeah. But it may have to be that so you can gain a little bit on the restorative work because there's a little more profit in that area. There's a little more work, but there's a little more profit. 
Sure. But we see that a lot of, you know, dentists don't even use them. I don't know why. I think they're a situation of litigation. You want to be very careful when you're using that stuff, uh, especially on the lower. On the upper, it's not so bad. There there are a few areas that are not really dangerous, but more cumbersome or problematic. But on the lower art, it's almost a a dead ringer if if you don't use a surgical guide or you haven't taken a CT scan and you've decided to do it by hand and you know there's nerve damage or something like that it's 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 very sad situation that that still happens today that's unbelievable that somebody would go without a surgical guide even if you're close to the nerve well it's kind of crazy how we used to do it back in the day actually you know they're looking at a 2 by 2 and and it's just a a cross section you know, radiograph, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, yep. here it is. Get that carborundum disc, hammer down that blade implant, and hopefully everything goes well. It's really <laughs> amazing how we've evolved from that to where we are today with irrigation tools and surgical guides and all that stuff, CBCT. It's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, and it's all to the benefit of the patient. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, ExoCAD in digital dentures, because I know digital dentures exploding in our market but you always hear with three shaping digital dentures does exocad do them yeah exocad does them um i've been doing dentures for quite some time digital dentures because i brought sensible technologies and helped them come to market with some of their products which was the first digital partial with a haptic device that you could actually feel the surface of the 3d file it was pretty neat you know you could actually feel the undercut and it was a force feedback mouse. So you'd be hitting something. It's really interesting. The technology. So wait, wait, on. wait. When you're designing, you would feel resistance on yeah. the mouse? Yeah. So you could. What? Yeah. So you could feel. <laughs> we should do a show on that, actually. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so basically, as you're moving the mouse, when your cursor or pointer hits the surface, it actually stops and you can feel that surface. So you can feel the undercut, you could go through items, but we were doing dentures in, in 07, you know, printing 07, 06. That's when I started working with Sensible, maybe a little prior to that. Oh, I bet you they were beautiful back then. Yeah, it was really interesting (laughs) because uh, actually the tool, and I hate to bring up old technology that's long and lost and gone for dental. It's still around for organic design, but this company would make, you know, all the really fancy anime models that you see Mm -hmm. with the really fine details. They were all using a haptic device. So a lot of big companies have the haptic device and that's what they use it for organic design and mold making. So it's really fancy. And so you could carve. It was like you're carving wax. You have digital wax. You literally carve it with feeling so you could change if it was soft wax or hard wax. Anyway, coming around to the digital dentures, you know, to say it plainly, they both suck. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it because I love ExoCAD and I love the guys to death. But yeah. at the end of the day, they're very cumbersome. I know that ExoCAD's working on some new features. I've been helping them quite a bit. I think the release is coming out shortly. But as mm-hmm. the product is, let's call it a, a month ago, it's cumbersome. And so there's yeah. a lot of workarounds. And obviously, you know, Joshua, so... There's all kinds of workarounds that we've figured out and used, and there's multiple ways of getting to that source. I like using 
other ways, making dentures, I think it's easier, but I also did a lot of pre-work in preparing my molds and my arch forms and all that. That's the beauty of ExoCAD that you really can't do in three shape. So they're getting much better at it. But at the end of the day, you know, Elvis, when you really think about what's going on, mm-hmm. we're just changing the process. Like this idea of digital dentures. I mean, it's kind of funny. When you see where we were 100 years ago with Gizi and the bite registration, the Mm -hmm. Gothic arch tracer, and today, that hasn't changed. There is no digital get you in centric. I mean, you can do it with muscle manipulation, with tens units, all that kind of stuff. But that opening or hinging still has in, in in my point of view, has been perfected through the Gothic Arch Tracer. Mm-hmm. That's 110, 120-year-old technology. If you want to call it technology, it's a pin. Yeah. And and the only thing that's changed is the process. So, you know, from Vulcanite with Goodyear, yeah. that's a great story, by the way. Whoever's listening, they should look into the Goodyear company and Vulcanite for dentures. You would not believe what had happened back in the past. But we've gone from Vulcanite to printing. Mm-hmm. But, but the in-between hasn't changed tooth position the way it works yeah you still got to take records it all has to be there that's right interesting yeah what are you doing to get digital dentures done through exocad you said you had to go kind of a workaround yeah so the workaround the one that i like best because it gives me most control there's some details in the denture module that i personally don't like it's not a big deal it's not a, a negative I just mm-hmm. don't like it. It's it, There's a finished line with a peripheral roll, and it leaves a little sharp edge. So after it's printed, then you can go ahead and smooth off that peripheral roll a little more because the labial side kind of ends up in a sharp angle, and then it curves into the tissue side. Yeah, I personally don't that. like that. Yeah. So I use the bite splint module. And then, you know, after I set up my teeth, I save them, and I Boolean them out, or I basically do a remove from one surface to the other and I leave a little bit of space and then I can actually digitize the tissue look stippled and and it prints stippled oh really yeah wow. it looks really good again it's time right so what digital allows you to do and I think a lot of people forget this there are some things that are a little more complicated so you still need to have that anatomical point of view you have to understand tissue you have to understand bone and oh the, yeah the, you know tooth structure and as you're designing it so you know if if I was to do a wax up by hand it might take me 10 or 15 minutes more my hands going to hurt definitely a little more <laughs> but but at the end of the day what the digital does is and, and these are super important points that I think a lot of us miss. I can actually duplicate it perfectly and it's not mm. going to melt away. You know, I'm in Tampa, so it's not going to melt away in, in the middle of the summer. It's not going to change in the winter, obviously not in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It, may in, <laughs> it may in Buffalo or Minnesota, you know, but it's not going to change. When you talk about this data information, it's very important to understand that once you do it, it's done. So when you have to redo the denture, there is no reset. There is no rewax. There is no reset. You know, there's just a finish situation. Sure. If we start taking that as part of the analogy or the timeline of how long things take, now we start becoming a little more profitable as lab technicians because yes, I have to remake the denture and I'm going to get repaid for it, hopefully. 
right? Let's be honest. Mm. Sometimes we don't get paid for it. But let's say we did. You're still taking that one hour to set up, whatever that hour is. Oh, yeah. We're still taking that time that we are getting paid for. But that time involves you as an experienced technician, and you cannot do anything else. You can't wax up two dentures at a time. You can't build up two crowns at a time. Mm -hmm. But what you can do in, in this new digital age is you can have an apprentice, and I, and I like to call them apprentices, and there's not many of them around, but people who are learning, they can start handling, yeah, that want to learn. These are the people <laughs> that can actually start taking the time to do that while your expertise is being used for new work, right? Yeah. So the work that came in already is taken care of by someone who is competent to handle the mm-hmm. printing process, which you'll end up with the same final denture. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, think how many times we have to make a new denture for somebody, our fault, their fault, or just over time. I mean, sure. that's going to cut down so much if it was printed originally. And I'll be the first guy to say it here. I think there is so much research work that needs to get done because what printed dentures are giving us the ability to do is, you know, right now we have a three to five year timeline of, hey, you should replace your denture. And during that time, there's a change in the alveolar ridge tissue, Mm -hmm. some people faster than others. But at the end of the day, there is a little bit of tooth wear. So imagine in this new society, we can give dentures every six months or every year. Yeah. Will the alveolar ridge change because it still fits nice and tight? There's no loose edges. There's no vertical changes. So I think that would be a great study to see that, you know, if you're not losing your vertical dimension and you're not milling it in, in essence, because it's always new, it's restorable, and it's the same thing over and over again. In my estimation, I believe that there's going to be some kind of benefit. The other thing is, even with your dentist, the clinician doesn't have to spend... Let's talk about a really high-level prosthodontist clinician. They're going to spend two hours, two and a half hours getting everything right. Buy the book. Everything's perfect. They'll never have to do that again. Yeah. You're right about that. I bet you it will have a benefit changing a denture more often, but keeping everything the same... Right. So even for bacteria, I mean, think about the little things, right? Bacteria plays a big role in oral health, oral health and for your heart. You know, I'm working with a couple of doctors that are taking cardiologist courses and they've identified a bacteria now that is a direct cause for pre-heart attack. Mm. And it's all in the mouth. And, you know, these are things that we don't see because we have dentists and we have doctors And doctors generally don't look in your mouth and say, oh, it looks like you got a lot of plaque. Maybe you should go see a dentist, right? And and they never think of it like that. And then on the dentist side, they look at your plaque and, you know, they know that it could be a problem, but it never comes up to, hey, I think you should go see a cardiologist. You know, rarely, rarely does it come up. Yeah, yeah, very rare. And also they say three to five years for a denture. How often does that even happen? Yeah. I mean, people wear these things for decades. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I think this is where we will change a little bit. I think it's access to care. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anybody on the planet that wants to fix their teeth. And if you told them it's free, they're like, nah, you know, I'm not interested in doing that. I think yeah. it's because they just can't afford it. You know, there's other bills to pay and you can totally see what a change it does to people. And that's oh, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about being a dental technologist. And I learned that word from world-renowned Asami Tanaka, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Tanaka. He's an amazing, amazing technician. But he said, I'm not a dental technician. I'm a dental technologist. And it's true uh, yeah. because because of all the different fields that we we happen to touch while we're making various prosthetics or prostheses. It's amazing. I was also interested, like I mentioned earlier, we're fully three-shape here. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's bad. Okay, I guess the conversation's over. Thanks a lot. <laughs> nice knowing you guys. <laughs> this is part of the conversation because <laughs> right. you're selling me on this yeah. ExoCAD. I'm very fascinated about it. How easy is it for a lab to switch? I mean, I've been not not just talking money. I'm invested, you know, way too much into three shape and their scanners that I can only use on three shape. Right. But money aside, how easy is the transition for a lab to take from from three shape? To ExoCAD. It's actually pretty funny. So I'm going to tell you, when we started ExoCAD, Larry gave me a name. I had a title at ExoCAD. I was the evangelist. The and, <laughs> and it's kind of funny. ExoCAD evangelist. So, so this is the reason why it's interesting and intriguing. It's extremely simple to switch over to ExoCAD because of the wizard. And Tillman and Mike mm-hmm. and, and the team, Gany and the, and, and the rest of the guys, did an excellent job in breaking down each step. So, you know, you start off with a margin. You know, the system will only let you do a margin. You can audit, mm-hmm. you know, the margin's automated, or you can do it manually, you know, detect all the points by hand, by clicking, you know, zoom in, do your thing, and follow yeah. the wizard through. But there's also an expert button. And that expert button is the world of ExoCAD in my simple knowledge of it, let's call it. Mm -hmm. The expert button basically says, look, you don't need a magician or a wizard because the wizard is doing magical things for you. Like it's helping Mm. you go through this process of making a crown. But when you don't need the wizard anymore, you go into the expert mode and that's where you can just blow up and do some amazing things. So it's, it's in my view, in how many people I've trained, it's very simple to go from three shape to exocad. And I can tell you the truth that there's very few people. This is again, from my experience. So I, I love three shape. I think Tice and the guys, they're good guys. They have a good model. A lot of people bought into it. I think their product could be better, like everybody's product, right? You come to my lab, you could probably say my crowns could be better. But when you really think of what the idea is here is sometimes we get so much data from doctors, like nine different models, three different bites. How do I Mm -hmm. manage that? And what ExoCAD does is it allows you to manage that so you can do extremely complicated cases. I'm talking about 1965 extremely complicated cases. Yeah. You know, milled in telescopes with attachments and, you know, implants all at the same time and an overstructure for a clusal rim. All kinds of things all at the same time. So you could do multiple materials, multiple restorations all at the same time in one skin. And what's interesting about it is that the wizard will break down each step. A quick example. If you're doing a crown, you don't really need an emergence profile. But if you're doing Uh an implant, because at the end of the day, 
your restoration type, what's the end result of what you want? I want a crown. Okay, what material do you want it in? Because material is not important. The crown can be in PMMA or zirconia or wax yeah. or whatever. But then there's a little subsection that says, okay, are you making this crown in essence on a natural tooth abutment? Or are, do you have an implant abutment? If you have an implant abutment, there's a few extra steps because yeah. they understand that there's an emergence profile. And with ExoCAD, you can actually start managing tissue. You know, you start working with high-level doctors. They start telling you, look, I want to manage this tissue because I don't want it to look like an implant. Yeah. I don't want a yeah. lollipop, right? I want a tooth. Yep. And so now you can start managing the tissue. You can make guides for the tissue. You can make laser guides to trim the tissue. You can do all really? different kinds of things. But that's all in the expert mode. So once you understand the basics and the assumptions that ExoCAD have placed in the database, the CAD becomes just a, a Hollenbach, a PKT. It, it doesn't, it, now it's just a tool, a Bunsen burner. It becomes yeah. a tool, but it's really understanding the database. And that's where you really can explode. And the other thing, too, is that prior to the last couple of years, there were really no yearly fees. I mean, there were yearly fees. Yeah. And a lot of people are getting a little worried. Uh, I know technicians are for Itero. Mm -hmm. But I, I think they're going to do the right thing. But there is a little bit of concern of how sure. things are going to change. But, you know, yeah. if you, how many seats do you guys have, by the way, just as a side note for three shapes in the lab? <laughs> Six. Okay. That's a pretty expensive year. Yes, it is. Every November, we yeah. all cry a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it must be, I, I hope it's after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> the bill comes before it's paid after Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, ExoCAD is great. One of the other things is they actually integrated a lot of different scanners. So, you know, obviously with 3Shape, you can import SDL. So you can use someone else's scanner and still import into 3Shape and have the software. But ExoCAD yeah. went one step further saying, look, if you want a, a dental scanner, we work with, I think there's 25 or 27 scanners. I'm not even sure how many there are now. At one point when we opened up ExoCAD, I had 17 in my one-man lab. Mm. So now at this point, they've integrated with many people. So what happens is you're still in the same software situation. And what happens is your interface is the same. So you're using ExoCAD, let's call it software, not really, but the interface, the graphic user interface. Yeah. And, and you're just going through the motions because it's directing the scanner in, in how to work. And that's really how that thing functions. Will it work with three shape scanners? Is um, there a workaround well, for that? You know, it's interesting because <laughs> there was a product that used the interface with the 710, I believe. Oh, that's an old one. Yeah, yeah, that was the older one. But the beauty of it is there was a third party company that basically understood the signaling and how mm -hmm. that path was made. And basically, when you entered the information in the database in ExoCAD, it would drive the scanner. So now, if you didn't want to pay your yearly fees, you don't get screwed on not being able to use your scanner. Because yeah. that's what you paid 30 grand for. So one of the big problems is no one ever tells you on the front end, look, it's 30 grand down. You never own the scanner. It's 30 grand and you have to pay a yearly fee to use this. So it's kind of like the carbon model, believe it or not. Yeah. 
And, you know, all the guys that are complaining about the carbon model, there's 30,000 users, 25,000 users that have been doing it since 3Shape basically started. Yeah. That's where it's a little bit interesting. And, and you know, again, with a caveat, I do use ExoCAD exclusively. I used to have 3Shape myself, but, you know, and, and it is a good product. They have nice libraries. There's a lot of good things about it. Yeah. But I need a product that allows me to do things the way I do them, the way I learned. And some of the details that I like using are available in ExoCAD and they're not in 3Shape. Yeah. I tell you, I think there's a big business out there for someone working with labs to convert them. Training, oh, yeah, it's hardware. called sales. That's called yeah. being an evangelist. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, look, there's always a fear and everyone's worried about speed. I think that is a huge fallacy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because most labs, you know, why does a two-man lab need the fastest scanner on the planet? Why do they need a fast scanner? They're doing 10 units a day, for goodness sakes. They're doing 20 units a day. Do you really? It could could take six minutes. When I had my cable system with Everest, it literally took six minutes to make a crown. And not even a crown. It was a coping. To scan it, it took six minutes. So upper wow. model, lower model, and a die. And, you know, we were like, wow, look seconds. at how cool. Now, if it doesn't do it in two minutes and these guys are getting faster and faster, it's like, for what? What do you like? What do you think I'm going to do? Not work my 11 hours? I'm a dental technician. It's ingrained in me. <laughs> I'm not going to come to yeah. work for an hour and leave. I'm going to be here doing other stuff. Yeah. I think when we're purchasing things, especially some of the new technicians that are coming in, they should really focus in and, and think about what they're purchasing because we've been duped how many times, you know, hundreds of times oh, yeah. products that came on the market and then left. And they're like, Oh, sorry. You know, you spent yeah. grand here, 10 grand there. Oh, sorry. We promised the greatest. That's right. So just <laughs> ask the right questions. You know, when you're looking into it, don't worry about the pie in the sky, worry about what you can do today on your bench. And when the pie in the sky comes, outsource it to your buddies in the industry. Like that's where I think I've developed a great friendship with many people in the industry to say, Hey, Elvis, listen, I need something tomorrow. Can you manufacture for me? I, I totally yeah. missed that. Or I'm missing a puck or what? Yeah, sure, man. Just send me the file over. We'll get it done. Yeah. And so if you have a, a, let's, let's call it a surgical guide business, right? So you're doing surgical guides. All of a sudden you, you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to get a, a carbon right now. I'm, and I'm just starting. So I'll pay the, 55 grand or whatever, 1200 bucks a month mm. or two grand a month. And I'll sign a five-year contract or whatever. Yeah, that's great. And and hopefully your business will grow. But maybe what you should do is, you know, hey, Elvis, can you print a few things for me? I'll pay you for it. And once you get to a level, then you say, okay, now what do I do? Now what yeah. do I look at? Do I look at a form labs? It's slow. Everybody knows it. I mean, nobody's going to hide that fact. It's a well-printing printer. Yeah. And then you go all the way to the other extreme of carbon and prodways, you know, then then you're going to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you don't understand what kind of production you're doing or what your output's going to be, ask. I mean, I don't know one technician, if I was to call him just a lab out of the blue, call him Mm -hmm. up and say, hey, man, I just need some help. Can you just help me out? I'm opening up a lab in, in New York City or whatever. Can you help me out? What kind of printer do you have? They'll sit and talk with you. I mean, our industry is phenomenal when it comes oh, to yeah. people who are willing to help and 
you know, make another friend. I mean, you, you know, you always have a couple of, I'm not going to say bad apples, but you got a couple of weird apples that are like, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> not, I'm not yeah. going to tell you anything about my business, Yeah, but it is what it is. I'll tell you the pros and cons of everything in this lab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes more cons than pros. <laughs> you know, that's the business. I mean, it's, it is, you know, and if you don't take the time to learn it from other people, you're just going to be making the same mistakes that other people made. Why? And that, I think, is something that as an organization, and I'm not even talking about NADL, you know, world design, which a lot of people don't know about, damaged goods. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts off with a good intention. But at the end of the day, what we need to do is start focusing in on our business. Because what's happening is it's being destroyed and chipped away. I mean, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. how it's going down and nobody's really taken the charge to say look these are important things that we're manufacturing we're manufacturing teeth for goodness sakes this yeah. isn't it's not a joke i mean this is a serious thing and you know you talk about any other technician there's some kind of respect there for some reason there's a smaller group of dentists that care about technicians like I'll give you some names because I want to call them out to say these guys are pillars of dental technicians. Dr. Ron Jarvis, Itzhak Barzilay, Dr. Rosopoulos, you know, these guys, and they're all over the country. There's tons of guys out there that care. But the problem is that they're a smaller group of people who respect dental technicians because of what the work ethic is and what they do as, as a job. And there's a larger group that's like, yeah, what do I need a lab bill for? I just do it myself. Yeah. It's almost demeaning. Like, it's so easy to do. I just press three buttons and it gets done. Yeah. You don't need to fight. Chairside restorations. Yeah. I I mean, mean, look, we don't have to fight it. It's a free country, right? You want to do that? Go ahead. No problem. But there has to be some kind of, I I don't even know how to say, I don't want to say regulation because I think that's a distortion in itself. But there has to be something that binds us together on a different level because there's a lot of hardworking people out there. I mean, I, I grew oh, up in it. My dad absolutely. did it. My grandfather did it. And, you know, I'm looking at it like I remember my dad arguing with the dentist. And then, you know, a dentist would call back and say, hey, sorry, Steve, you know, yeah, you were right you about were right. that. You know, and, and, and <laughs> they iron it out. And that's what makes a great relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But the business has changed quite a bit. And so... I think what's happening is there's a predetermined value of what a crown should be because it's predetermined by profit margin and it's not predetermined by anything else. And it's funny. I had this discussion a few days ago with a friend of mine and I said, you know, it's amazing how there's not one medical doctor on the planet, on this planet, maybe on other planets, I don't know, but on (laughs) this planet... There's not one that has a mill that produces their own screws for doing a, a fibular reduction and using yeah. a titanium bar. There's not one. They wouldn't even dream of it. And each of those parts have documentation. And, and I know it's big business because it's bureaucratic. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying let's get there. But what I'm saying is even that part has hey, this is made in Indonesia. This is made in the United States. This is made in Canada. Mm-hmm. This is. And you know what you're getting. Like nobody opens up a package and goes, huh, I don't know where this is from, but let's put it in this guy's body. Yeah. (laughs) But because dental isn't really life-threatening, 
neither is a fibular reduction, but if it if the part's rusted, it causes a problem, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, there has to be something that helps. I mean, anything you purchase right now has a where it's made. Anything. Yeah. Even my coffee cup. Even honey. Anything. Yeah. Tells you where it's made, where it's from. This might be, oh, I know where you're getting at, Johnny. You know, you're trying to angle this. I'm not angling anything. Uh, all I'm saying is this country was built on freedom and you have every right to get things from anywhere you want. I have no problem with that. But you should be able to state that to a certain point and say, hey, look, I'm getting these from China. Cost is not an issue. I don't think cost should be that issue. And getting back to that pre-statement is this value of a crown came from where? I was looking at my dad's documentation from a Vita handbook that he got from Sackingen when he took the course, right? In mm-hmm. 1968. Mm. In 68, he was charging $28 for a crown. <laughs> okay. In 1978, mm-hmm. he was charging $87 for a crown. 1978. It's 42 mm. years ago. 43. How much is a crown today, Elvis? Because I can promise you in 1978, a doctor wasn't charging 1500 and it's still 1500 yeah, or 900 or whatever you want to call it. And this isn't about, well, why do you want a bigger piece of the action or what? I, I, I'm not talking about that at all. All I'm making is a statement of how did we get here and how do we figure out a solution as an industry or as a group of people who do the same thing? That's all. Yeah. Do we need a solution? Maybe we don't. I don't know. I think we should have a discussion. I think we do. Yeah. I definitely think so. I think that would be a whole other episode we're talking here, man. (laughs) (laughs) I got to cut you off. We're going well over an hour. It's some great stuff, Johnny. I agree with you that a discussion needs to happen. I think it's the passion of the industry that we both have. You're doing this not because you have nothing else to do. (laughs) I'm doing this not because I have nothing else to do. But we care about the industry, and I think it's really important to start a conversation and be reasonable with each other and help other people. I mean, okay, so what? I went through some difficult times. Why should somebody else? Yeah. No, I agree. You know, there's a lot of companies in our industry that play both fields. Yep. And a lot of people in our industry support those companies, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because there hasn't been a conversation or there hasn't been, hmm, I wonder why. Because once yeah. you start thinking about it, then you can start having a conversation. Then you can weed out, hey, that was a silly idea or, hey, that's a good idea. And you gain interest and you start developing a change for a, an amazing industry. Amazing. Oh, Just absolutely. Amazing. The best. Yeah. The best. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Well, Johnny, we got to end it. Let's have this conversation again sometime. For sure. This is great stuff. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Anytime you, you guys want to chat, please throw me in the mix. Absolutely. And I love what you're doing. Thank you very much for spearheading uh, the beginning of something pretty amazing of open conversations. And this is awesome. It's great. We appreciate what you're doing and what you've done. And hopefully, I could see you sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so too. We'll we'll have a beer together. Everybody knows there me that go, I'm sir. always at the uh, Hyatt Bar. There That's the way it goes. <laughs> awesome, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, my friend. Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye bye. 
So a big thanks to John. I'm super sorry that I wasn't available for the podcast, but thanks for coming on the podcast. It sounds like you have more to offer this industry. And next time you come on, I will definitely be there. Hey guys, don't forget, we got merchandise available 24-7 at voicesfromthebench.com forward slash store. I think, Elvis, somebody put something on Facebook with one of our Voices from the Bench coffee mugs. That was cool. Yeah, very cool. So we've got shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, water bottles, and more. Not only do you get to showcase to the world the wonderful industry that is dental lab technology, but... 100% of the profits will go towards the Foundation of Dental Laboratory Technology, of course, supporting the future and education of our profession, which I'm thinking that they're doing the race for the future this year, which is a triathlon that I got to start training for. So hopefully that's happening soon. I saw that email go out. So finally, this year, we'll have something to talk about for eight months (laughs) because last year we didn't. Yeah. It's time for me to start training. Yep, training, looking for teams, start collecting donations. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. Can't wait. Awesome. All right, everybody, that's all we got for you. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. Bye. And just, oi, oi, oi. What you need is preet. <laughs>